0: Nine months ago, um, one of the locking mechanisms on our security doors in the children's wing uh, malfunctioned. Couldn't fix it. Um, So, you know, what I do when something's broken, I first investigate. Take it apart, look at it. Is there anything obvious? Something broken, rattling around in there or loose? I couldn't find anything wrong with it. So, called the locksmith. Uh, and they came down, and I made an appointment, they came down, uh, they looked at it, they poked it and prodded it, and, and finally the guy said, it's the solenoid. Okay, uh, this isn't our lock, by the way, <laughs> this, this is, uh, this is uh, ours, not only a little newer, less rust and all, but it's, um, it has a mag- uh, an electronic uh, current going to it because it's activated by a magnetic card, you know, key pass. So, so it's a little more complicated um, than the normal lock. Um, the guy said, I'm going to order this from Tacoma, the solenoid, not, and I'll be back. Well, I never heard from him again. Eventually I called, and they, they just, they, they weren't interested. And, and I have a feeling he wasn't really sure about his prognosis. So called the next locksmith. And I made an appointment for them to come out. And by this time, Alex the Magnificent, yeah. <laughs> refugee from Ukraine, was now living on site as our maintenance supervisor. And I, I said, Alex, I want you to watch you know, this professional locksmith uh, so that you can learn to do what they're doing if some, another one fails in the building. So he's there watching and and uh, the locksmith comes in, starts poking around, prodding and testing it, and all of a sudden says, I got no answers. I, I can't fix this. And right then, Alex, in his broken English, say, I fix. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, he can't. I said, I cut you loose. I let the locksmith go. And, um, and I walked across. It was on this side. I walked to the other side to my uh, to the conference room there. Ten minutes later, Alex sticks his head in and says, "All fixed." Wait, wait, don't clap yet. I didn't believe him. I was thoroughly incredulous, and I said, show me. And he takes me over there, and sure enough, it works perfectly. And I ask him, what kind of voodoo magic did you... Did you perform on this lock? And then, in his kind of, he's trying to signal me to, and what I interpret it as, it's above your pay grade. You know, you're not, you you wouldn't understand even if I could explain it to you in fluent English. So, um, for, for me, to believe that the lock was fixed, I had to see it with my own eyes. Thus, the adage, seeing is believing. But when it comes, to receiving and understanding the truth about God and his plan of salvation. There must be a willingness to believe before you can ever hope to see or understand these precious things of God and his desire to have a relationship with us. This is Jesus' message to his disciples as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew Matthew 13, we pick it up in verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? To them are the religious leaders in Israel who have at this point just rejected Jesus because of the hardness of their hearts, because of jealousy and pride. They just rejected him. It says, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on hearing, but not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear did not hear it. Does this bother anybody here? I think at first glance it seems like Jesus is trying to hide something. God isn't trying to hide anything. Anything that would promote our welfare. He is really, in reality, simply illustrating a truth, not hiding a truth. So that those who really want to know can deepen their understanding. The word parable, as I mentioned last week, it means literally to throw alongside of. And Jesus had just taken what the people knew about sowers and seed, and soil, and he threw it alongside what they didn't know about the kingdom of heaven. It's going to give those who want to know more understanding so that they might see, for instance, that the word of God is incorruptible seed destined to produce fruit when planted in hearts not choked out by the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches." Those are lines from last week's message. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go online and just scroll on down on our homepage and you'll see last week's message. The AV team works hard to edit and put these online. And again, the hallmark of our Calvary Chapel movement is line upon line, precept upon precept learning the whole counsel of God. Uh, and so what we taught about last week is a building block for this week. But I don't have time to go in and reiterate everything from last week, but I encourage you to do it. And if ever you miss a Sunday, you've got that resource. Thank you, team, AV team, for doing that. The truth about God and man, you know, there is, there is a truth out there. You know, the whole what's true for you may not be true for me. Uh, you know, that that doesn't apply to everything. There is an absolute truth in the universe. Why we're here? Why are we here? That's a universal question. I think every thinking person asks at some time in their life, why am I here? What it's all about? Where am I going? Is there a destiny? A terminus? This truth about God and this revelation, it's a gift from God. And in Scripture, there's a principle that those who receive God's gifts and use them gain more. While those who bury their gifts, his gifts that he's given, he's given all gifts to everyone, if we bury them, then we lose even what we had. You see this taught again and again. Of course, this is what Jesus is referring to in verse 12. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And we see this in everyday life continually this is not a new principle and i took a picture of jc just <laughs> just for this illustration yeah yeah thank you for wearing a shirt today appreciate it. I don't want to distract anybody with the ripples but we know that a muscle exercised grows it increases in strength while the unused muscle atrophies. How many here older than 30 years of age remember their high school language requirement? You know, I, I spent a year, well, I don't think you're happy you're older than 30, but, you know, I, I, I had kind of a rudimentary knowledge when I was graduated high school, but have I used it? Hasta la vista, baby, it's gone. Because, what does the adage say? You use it or you lose it. Only those who choose to be willing to believe the gospel truth are able to receive this gift of God's revelation of himself through Christ. And the one then who embraces the gift with an open mind and a willing heart is going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 3.18. Christianity is a growing thing. It's meant to grow. We are meant to be transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that you guys come here week after week um, is a good indication that you are growing and you realize if we take the things of God and apply them, we're going to grow in our faith. I love what Barclay says. Christianity can be understood only from the inside. It is only after personal encounter with Jesus Christ that a man can understand. To criticize from outside... It's to criticize an ignorance. And get this. It is only the man who is prepared to become a disciple who can enter into the most precious things of the Christian faith. Only the person prepared to become a follower. Not just a hearer, but a doer. That's the one that's going to... The doors are going to open... And they'll begin to appreciate and experience the precious things of the Christian faith. So a parable will excite the curiosity of the concerned. Those that really want to know the truth. While the unconcerned never take the time to seriously consider the things that make for life. Abundant life. Jesus said, this is why I'm here. This is why I've come. That you might have life and have it abundantly. Not just a little, but a lot. The wisdom of the age, popular ideology, says that abundant life is following and obtaining the desires of your heart. You've heard that? I've got to be true to myself. I've got to follow my heart. That's where you'll find happiness, fulfillment, contentment. That's the wisdom of the age. You hear it everywhere. As if the desires of the heart, including all of our bodily urges, are a holy thing. It's like we must do this thing. We've got to be true to ourselves. And they're equating those desires as holy, perfect, good. When God's Word exposes the heart as a deceitful thing, a deceitful influence, actually a wicked thing, rooted in self-centered rebellion. It's the sin nature. We're all born with that. So why am I going to try to follow the dictates of that which is corrupt within me? Nancy Percy, in her book, Love Thy Body, shows the connection between taking God's word seriously and a healthy, abundant life. She writes, a 2017 Centers for Disease Control report found that teens who abstain from sex are also more likely to engage in a wide range of other healthy behaviors, from eating breakfast to exercising to getting enough sleep. They are also less likely to smoke, use drugs, suffer depression, or report dating violence. Why do healthy behaviors tend to cluster in this way? Researchers do not know. But in the words of Glenn Stanton of Focus on the Family, our children should know there's very compelling scientific evidence showing how saving the precious gift of their sexuality for the safe harbor of marriage... It's nothing about old-time moralism or unhealthy sexual repression. Just the opposite is true. It is part of an overall pattern of healthy and life-giving choices. God's Word is life-giving. And in it, we have life-giving choices. You know, some people say, well, why did God even give us an option to disobey? Why couldn't we just be living in the Garden of Eden forever? It's because God's M.O. is based upon love. And if you just had a robot saying, I love you, that would mean nothing. It would mean nothing for God. Love demands a choice. And there had to be the free will engaged so that Adam and Eve could choose not to love and seek to go themselves and put themselves above God. Again, those who embrace the wisdom of the sages, they don't take seriously God's offer of abundant life. You know, they, they, they are leaning upon their own understanding. They think that I will know better than God what I need. and I can't trust him. That's just like our first parents. Let's do an end run around what God has laid down for us and the the safeguards he has put in play. Every time a person turns a deaf ear to the word of God, their heart becomes a little harder. This is exactly what the prophet Isaiah warned us about 700 years before Christ. Jesus is quoting from this prophet that lived seven centuries earlier. He says, in their case, the prophet of, a prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand, and you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, turn around, and I should heal them. Those who discount the word of God, live with God to their back over and over again. Typically, they don't want to hear. They have no motivation to to hear. They don't want to understand. They want to be healed. Because that may mean giving up an immoral lifestyle. Or simply deposing them as the supposed master of their fate and captain of their soul, right? But with each denial of the heart, the heart becomes a little duller. Until verse 15, with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. That's sad. This, this whole thing. It's very sad when we think of someone that just has rebelled against God, their Maker, and their heart is becoming like flint. But here's the good news these unseeing eyes. There's an eye salve for the spiritually blind called. Faith. Faith. Choosing as an act of will to believe. Some people say, well, I just don't have faith. Uh, as if, you know, I didn't get that disp- uh, you know, uh, di- dispensation. You got it, I didn't get it. Faith is an act of the will. We can choose to believe just as we can choose to love. We've all been given a measure of faith, the Bible calls it, the ability to believe. Otherwise, our great God and Savior couldn't hold us responsible for not believing, right? If we have no choice in the matter, then The unbeliever has a real argument. This is the way you made me. But then, we wouldn't read things in the Bible like Ezekiel 33.11. I love this verse. This is the heart of God. As I live, declares the Lord God. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. What is that telling us? God's will is that everyone would be saved, and he made a provision that would cover every man, woman, and child that has ever lived or ever shall live. But he says the wicked, he would rather that the wicked turn. What does that tell you? They can turn. It's possible for the wicked... The hard-hearted to turn from their wicked ways and thrive and live and know abundant life. That's the heart of God. The person willing to exercise that faith and turn believe and repent, turn around from going their own way, will discover that a divine shaft of light can still penetrate the inner darkness caused by years of living with the windows to our soul shut. The shutters closed. It's a dark place to live. I know, I've lived there. And there's another verse that I love. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We are willing to open up our hearts that then then all of a sudden the the shutters open up and this light comes streaming through the window of our soul and we believe glory of God is seen in the face of Christ. It's the good news. This is the eyesalve that Abraham applied, allowing him to understand and appreciate God's plan of salvation. Even though he lived 2,000 years before Christ, Jesus told the Jews in John eight fifty six, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. And was glad. What is, he, what is that? He, he's dead. It's 2,000 years ago. His body is disintegrated, turned back to dust. How did he see that day of Christ's, so that he was glad? He saw it because he chose to believe in the promises of God. When God tested his faith, telling him to sacrifice his son, he'd waited 25 years for this child. He's an old man. This child was precious to him. He loved this child. God told him to sacrifice him, and he set out in obedience Believing what? Believing, we learn about it in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, verse 19, believing that God was able to raise the dead. Not talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the resurrection of his son he was about to slay. He believed God could do it. God, who called the worlds into existence by divine fiat, let there be Boom, he could do that because he said this is the promised child. It's through Isaac's seed. His posterity would bring forth the deliverer of the world. So God, who cannot lie, is going to raise him from the dead. That's faith. (laughs) On their way to the place of sacrifice, Isaac asked his father because Abraham hasn't given full disclosure to Isaac yet. He says, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. The gospel message is from cover to cover in the Bible. Abraham believed God that through his seed, through Isaac, he would raise up a deliverer. He believed God, looked ahead to God's provision, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. In other words, he imputed to Abraham, because of his faith, a right relationship with God, that he could now draw near to God with clean hands and a pure heart. The only, one that who, the only people who can draw near to God are those with clean hands and a pure heart. And if we look to ourselves, we realize none of us qualify. We are corrupt in and of ourselves. But through faith, He reckons us as right with God, righteous before God. It was the eye salve of faith that Mary applied which allowed her to see and understand that like Abraham she had been chosen to participate in a supernatural birth. Christ was not the only supernatural birth. Abraham was a hundred years old. Not a time when most Dudes are looking to start a family. His wife was 90. In other words, they were beyond, naturally beyond childbearing years, so God did a supernatural thing. Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she would conceive a child, bear a son while a virgin. In other words, There would be no human interference with the conception of this child. The Holy Spirit, this is how it happens. You won't find this in your biology book, but this is how it happened for Mary. The Holy Spirit would come upon her the power of the Most High would overshadow her, and for that reason, the holy offspring would be called the Son of God. You know, you might say that God is Jesus' biological father. And that's why He's called the Son of God she rejoiced and magnified the god of her salvation says in luke 147 because she knew she needed forgiveness like everybody else and because she was willing to take god at his word she had a hope that didn't disappoint yes prophecy said that a, a sword would pierce her heart of course she's a mother And she was devastated at the cross, as any mother would be. But she was not disappointed. She would live to see her little child grow in strength and wisdom. And she would witness God providing the sacrificial lamb at Calvary. And she would witness his resurrection from the dead. With the promise of eternal life for all who, like Abraham and Mary before them, simply apply the eye of faith. Then we will have those blessed eyes that Jesus talked about in verse 16. Blessed are your eyes. Speaking to the followers, the disciples, blessed are your eyes. Because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and to hear what you hear. Do you know how how blessed we are to live this side of Calvary? This side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to celebrate the resurrection pretty soon. Holy Week is a coming. It's a few weeks away. It's in March. The historical evidence surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in our favor. We have every reason, every confidence to put all the weight of our, of our trust in him who died and rose again on our behalf. I adjure all who listen to my voice. Here in the room and elsewhere. All listening to my voice. Let us open our eyes. Open our ears to the evangelium. That's a Latin word where we get evangel. It's the good news of God's love. God's redeeming love. Open our eyes to it. And then exercise such faith faith by offering up our body a living sacrifice. We should never be content just to hear this good news, but to apply it. And the only legitimate response is to say, God, here I am. You have saved me, now use me for your glory. I believe that God has called me for a distinct purpose. That's why I'm standing here at the pulpit. That's why I went around the world with my guitar. I began first by just going around Green Lake. Just me and my guitar. It was a sunny day. I looked like a hippie back then. I was in disguise. They didn't know the gospel was coming. I had torn jeans, hair down to here, beard. I just go, hey, you sunbather, would you like to hear a song? Lay it on me, hippie. And I could see the countenance just fall as I get to the lyrics. (laughs) It was a sense of calling. And, you know, I don't take for granted the fact that I am a blessed man. To be able to full-time do what I do, I know that's not a privilege most people enjoy. But we all can enter into that act of worship. And, And Romans 12 tells us that worship is this. Worship is offering up our body. That is all that we are. As a living sacrifice. We pray with Jesus in the garden. Not my will. But your will. And you know. It's, we start exercising that faith. And applying this truth. And serving the Lord. And it grows. It grows. And, and uh, you will enter into just. Precious things of the Christian faith. That you can enter into them no other way. You have to be prepared to be a disciple. right? As Barclay said. If we do, we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Peter said. We will enter into the most precious things. As Barclay said. In other words... The nearness of God will be our good. Again, the wisdom of the age says, this is what you need. You need a Big Mac. You deserve it. (laughs) Or, you know, you need, you know, know, these kind of clothes or this kind of house or this kind of car. These are the things that you're going to need to live a full life, a meaningful life, a happy life. But David discovered David was a king. Do we have any royalty in the house? I mean, we're all, right, part of the, the royalty. But David basically could have everything, anything his heart desired. But what did he say? He said, the nearness of God is my good. These other things, they're temporal. They'll come, they break, they pass away. They disappoint. But the nearness of God, that he's my God. No one can take that from me. That that never breaks down. Entropy has no effect on it. And it's what the deepest cry of my heart longs for. The love of God. He is with me and for me. That's, that's our great dividend. And how does it come? By believing. Paul again tells the Romans in chapter 15: he says, Be filled with all joy and peace in believing. If you look for joy and peace somewhere else, that's, that's going to be stressful. And disappointing again. He says, Be filled with all joy and peace in believing that you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. That is what we are about. Let's pray. Lord, you are good, you are the good shepherd. I'm thankful that the one with whom we have to do, the creator of the universe, is holy. There's no evil. Your eye is so pure you can't even look upon evil. I just thank you that that is the God with whom I have to do. That when I was dead in trespasses and sin, when I was living out uh, the consequences of my own rebellion and hardness of heart, just a hedonist, just seeking to suck this world like an orange and, and just always being hungry, always being thirsty for more. in that condition, when I was dead. You came and you died for me. And you resurrected me. You may be alive together with Christ. Because he's alive, alive, alive forevermore. I know that my Redeemer lives. My comfort, that sweet sin's gives. If you're hearing my voice right now and you've not prepared yourself to be a disciple, you've not opened your eyes with a willingness to believe God and take Him at His word. You've not done that, but right now you're sensing that this is what you want to do, it's your choice. You can walk out of this room unscathed by the Holy Spirit or you can allow God to do a new work of revival in your heart, in your mind, your innermost being. Same with those listening and watching online. If that's what you want to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that, to make that transaction if you are here as my brother and sister in Christ, but you know the wisdom of the age has left its mark, and, and maybe you've looked for wholeness and meaning and purpose in other lesser things. And you're feeling thirsty, and weary the worry of the world the deceitfulness of riches has maybe maybe had left its mark on you, as I said, then I want you to pray with me as well. And you can do it in the quiet of your own heart. Just agree with me and say, God, you are good. Thank you for not leaving me to my own devices. What a cold, dark planet this would be. But thank you for shining the light of the knowledge of the glory of the glory of God in the face of Christ so I could then be called out of darkness into your marvelous light. Such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me. I will never get my head around it completely. This side of heaven But with what you have shown me, I embrace your provision. Thank you for sending Christ to die for me, that he would bear in his body my sin upon the cross. Thank you for doing that. And Lord, for all my brothers and sisters here that would agree with me, we ask that you would fill us afresh with your nearness, your presence in our lives, that we would commit anew today to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, to say that I am all in, to agree that that I was made by and for you and for your good pleasure. Do that work in me, Lord. I'll be careful to give you all the credit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.